Hey, friends. Hey, girls. And welcome. <laughs> Thank you. I love that. Th- you, way to catch yourself. It's about <laughs> <laughs> and let the sweat begin. <laughs> I just wanted to break the ice uh, right off the bat. <laughs> Welcome to Take It or Leave It, an advice-ish podcast for parents. You can download this podcast on iTunes, Spotify, and Google Play Music. Be sure to subscribe and give us a review with your thoughts about the show. Thank you to Courtney. Courtney. <laughs> yeah, that's it's it's a name and it's Courtney. Okay, Courtney JJ for their comment. You deserve so much more than just five stars. I <gasps> I follow both of you on social media and was so excited when I found the podcast. Oh. You both helped me get through the toughest days as a parent to a two and a half year old new. Born? And a newborn, I believe, is what it means. <laughs> was like scientifically. <laughs> two and a half year old. That newborn. does not make sense. No, I think two kids. <laughs> Thank you for making me feel like a normal person when I'm screaming at my toddler to not share her cookie with her baby sister. Oh, that's cute. I that remember is, that. That's so sweet. Yeah. Thank I, you. I love that she said we deserve more than five stars. I agree. Let's I do bump too. It up. Can I have fifth fifty? All right. <laughs> I'm your host, Meredith from That's Inappropriate. <laughs> And I'm your host, Tiffany, from Juggling the Jenkins. Mm-hmm. This podcast, why'd you make a noise when I said that? My coffee was good. Oh. I'm sorry. Okay. She's like, mm, <laughs> yeah, she is. <laughs> this podcast will discuss all things marriage, motherhood, and everything in between. Please remember we're not professionals at anything you may actually need. So any advice we give, you can take. Or leave, because it might be crap. On today's episode of Take It or Leave It, we're going to be talking about a psychologist that shares the seven biggest parenting mistakes that destroy kids' confidence and self-esteem, seven tips to get your kids into a solid bedtime routine, and why does anybody care about celebrity splits? Good topics. Oh, thanks, because I wrote the episode. Yeah, I know. I didn't know what else to say. Okay. Like, cool, can't wait. Is probably what I should have said. Awesome. It's good to sit. Can't wait to talk about it. I love it. Okay. So today we have a very special co-host with us. We would like to welcome Amber Leventree from Family Rhetoric by Amber Leventree to the show. Hey, friends. Hey, girls. And welcome. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. I love that. Way to catch yourself. It's about mine. <laughs> and let the sweat begin. <laughs> I just wanted to break the ice uh, right off the bat. <laughs> uh. So we always like to sh- start the show uh, with a parenting fail moment. We're here because we've all struggled as parents, and anyone who says they haven't is a lie bagger. Amber, would you like to share a parenting fail moment with us? I will. And I feel like I just want to clear the air. Okay. I have, <laughs> thank you. <laughs> so this is what I do. So both in AA and anywhere I go, I like to say, hello, my name is Amber. I use they, them pronouns because I am non-binary. I should have said that earlier and I did not. So I have a feminine name. My mother named me Amber Dawn, which sounds like a stripper name, in my opinion. (laughs) Nothing wrong with strippers. But if you were to see my masculine appearance, I don't look anything like a female stripper. So the irony of my name and what I look like and how I identify is just a, 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 it 
I don't know. Life is fun. Asking for slip up. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So I am non-binary. I don't identify as male or female. So I do not like having gendered language directed at me, but Tiffany's awesome. Hey, good boy person. Not sure what you are is um, very endearing to me because you caught yourself. And I appreciate that because the hardest thing I think for people to do is to change their language because we do live in such a binary gendered world. So that aside, um, yes. Thank you for clearing the air. Uh, Sorry about that. I don't, to my knowledge. <laughs> Last week's She's podcast come. was interrupted by somebody calling me because I had scheduled an interview that I forgot about. So now somebody else is calling me. So yeah, any Hoozle McToozle. So awesome. Yeah, that's- so yeah, so I I may correct you here and there, but I do use they them pronouns and I have a feeling this is going to be an amazing um, use of practice time, but um, thank you for catching Thanks that. For so yeah, comments. I'm a parent. <laughs> um, yeah, she's like, he, and so what uh, we, 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 we really, really want to get it right because I, We're working. Yeah, I, yeah, I really want to get it right because I, I know how fair. important it is. And I think it's fair for you, for you to say it's hard for, for individuals to change their language because it's something that we grew up with. And so for 39 years, personally, because I'm old, Tiffany likes to point I'm out. I'm 15. Right. Um, that's hard to change the language. It's, an, it's like an automatic response. And so I, when I hard. met you, yeah. when I met you, that was difficult for me. And it wasn't because I didn't want to be right. It was because my mouth just went do you know what I'm trying to say? Like it wasn't a thought and I have to be more – I have to put more forethought into it because it's important that I put more forethought into it. But I think there will come a day where – Well, that's the hope, right, Yeah, Amber? it's just – Yeah, I think it takes practice too. I think it takes – it's like it, it really is kind of like learning language. And I think it is hearing other people's stories. And I think it takes meeting people too because I to just maybe hear my voice or – um, you know, see my name or maybe read my writing. Um, that's a piece of it. And I write in a very inclusive way. I think you would, I'm very mindful of my writing and it's just kind of second nature to me as well. But I think when you meet me, I think when you meet, um, a trans person or a non-binary person and non-binary people can identify or, or present as masculine or feminine. I, present as more masculine and androgynous. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think when you are around certain people's energy, I think that's actually what kind of solidifies it a little bit too. Right. Um, I'm scheduled to have top surgery at the end of October, which I'm super Aww, psyched about. Congratulations. Um, thank you. So I am hoping that one, not only does that cause dysphoria, Mm. But I'm hoping, sadly, society also then like kind of like views people as um, one thing based on their presentation. So people, you know, even though I dress masculine and try to hide my breasts, they see breasts and they're like, oh, well, women have breasts. So I'm going to use she, her pronouns for that person. Um, And my kids still call me mama, which is kind of, I've we've gone back and forth and my oldest is like, should we call you something else? Do you look, can we come up with a new name for you? Kind of thing. Like, what do we want to do about this? Because before I transitioned, I was mama and use she, her pronouns, but it's also kind of like, that's really endearing to me. It's like a role that I have. And so it doesn't almost feel gendered. It's just, I feel like a parent to them. And so I get, I do have understanding and patience for the most part, but it's when I tell somebody like, this is how I want to be called and this is who I am. And 
I, there is definitely an allowance of, okay, it's going to take a little practice, but as long as you're practicing and making an attempt, I'm like, all right, let's have fun with this. Let's do this together kind of thing. So I do get that the world is slowly shifting and it's going to take time. But really, I think the most painful is when people just don't make any effort at all. Yeah. Or what's fun is when they refuse to use the they them pronouns and just say my name over and over again. I'm like, I see you. I know what he's doing. <laughs> I'm onto your tricks. I, I know. I am. So back to parenting fails. I had one this morning. I don't even know if it's a parenting fail or my kid. I think she manipulated me into thinking I was a failure. <laughs> so I don't know about your kids, but they like to like bring things up last minute that they something really important that they realized that needed to happen. And then there's no time to How have it happen. Kids? And then, so w- all day yesterday was pride. Um, I am very active in the queer community up here and well, any community really. Um, I mean, we're all a little bit queer and if you're not, then you need to learn about it. Um, <laughs> so <laughs> Burlington pride up here was up here yesterday and um, I lead the tags on bikes um, parade um, our portion of the parade, their little kids and families on bikes. And then I run the family tent at the festival and it was just an all day thing. And the kids were there and they were exhausted and getting them up for school this morning was rough. Mm. And so my oldest who is eight decides at breakfast after 20 minutes, like dragging her ass out of bed, I need my reading log from the summer. That piece of paper that I was writing all my books on that I read all summer because today's library. I'm like, well, I don't know where that is. Well, I tacked it on the bulletin board, which it wasn't on the bulletin board. I'm like, well, maybe you took it down to write something on. I don't know. We couldn't find it. And we didn't have time to find it. She had to get to school. She had to brush her teeth, all the things. And meanwhile, she is throwing a fit and crying and snotting all over the place on the way to school and telling me how it's my responsibility to know where her reading log is. <laughs> and she gave me plenty of time to find it. And finally I said, oh. this is not my responsibility. If it's that important to you, you need to know where your stuff is. And it was just this awful moment of like this back and forth. And I just didn't know when to shut my mouth is really what it came <laughs> down to. Like I was trying to like, and you know that Vicki Hoefel book, The Duct Tape Parenting, The Natural, Natural Consequences and how you're supposed to just let kids figure it out. Mm. But there was no figuring out in the moment. This kid was like, screaming at me that it was my fault that she couldn't find her reading log and really what it came down to she wanted this piece of paper to take to the librarian because the librarian was going to give her a prize for reading which honestly you shouldn't be given prizes for reading like that's (laughs) bullshit whatever so i'm like i know your motivation right and it just she was late for school i couldn't shut my mouth because i knew i was right and i just got into this awful cycle and meanwhile like as i'm like exiting her into her classroom late I'm like, come, you know, do you want to hug? No. And I knew she was miserable. And I knew her morning got off to a crappy start. And it's like, oh, it was just one of those. We could have dealt with this later. I could have just been like, sorry, buddy. I'll look for it. Just so many things. Like I knew that who knows? And then I got into like, did I recycle it? Cause kids like do a lot of shit. She probably drew on the back of it. I saw like crappy artwork and recycled it. Like <laughs> right. who knows like where like this piece of paper is. I don't know. I have no idea where this paper is. And really it didn't matter. I didn't need to find it in the moment. I just needed to get her to school on time and deal with it later. And I didn't. And I don't know about you guys, but I know I over talk. I mean, I'm doing it right now, but I do it with my kids. And then it turns into shittiness and tears. And I, that's usually what when I feel like a failure because I don't know how to shut my mouth. It's so tough in the moment, though, when you're stressed out already and you're running around like crazy. I do it all the time. I lash out and then I apologize. Like, I always feel bad as soon as I take a breather and calm down. It happens at least five times a day. I usually I am pretty good about reattaching. Like, I'll come back later tonight and we'll 
we'll both be calm and we'll snuggle and we'll talk about it and we'll figure it out. But who in those moments, that's I, right. I, I, next time she brings a log home, you just tape it to her forehead and be like, you ain't going to lose this one. Yeah. Yeah. It's so. hard because I'm one of those moms that's like, Hey, it's your crap. Figure it out. Take charge of it. Own it. You know, not my job, not my responsibility. And you said the oldest is eight. What are the other ages? The twins are six. Twins. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. This got more Plot twist. Yeah. That was a plot yeah. twist. I felt like it was there. Yeah. Well, thank you for yeah. sharing. Yeah. Um, the, the fail because we all have fails. Uh, so I'll just read a little bit of the bio before we get into um, the rest of the podcast. So Amber is a queer non-binary writer and advocate. They live in Vermont with their three kids, one who is transgender. Their writing appears on The Next Family, Sammy's and Psych Meds, Babble, Ravishly. Sandwiches. Sandwiches. That's what I meant. And Psych Meds, Babble, Rav, Ravishly. Am I saying that right? That's a word. Yeah, Seems right. Yeah, yeah, okay. Long Reads and The Washington Post. They are a staff writer for Scary Mommy. They also run Family Rhetoric by Amber Leventry. And there is a Facebook page devoted to advocating for LGBTQIA+. IA+. Plus yeah. Families, one story at a time. And you can follow on Twitter and Instagram at Amber Leventry. Thank Which you. I feel no, Dave didn't put it up yet. I thought it was going to be above Amber's name on the thing, but he he can put that up the at so that they know how to spell it. Okay, mm. awesome. So tell us a little bit about yourself. Uh, why did you decide to start writing? Ooh, right about queer stuff or just writing in general? In general. So did did you start as like a therapeutic release one day and then saw that you had a talent and wanted to keep doing it? How did all of this get started? Ooh, well, if we throw it way back, um, when I was in college, my last semester at Penn State, well, I started as a chemistry major and then I had to pay my way through school and was failing. I couldn't pass this class and I had eight semesters or my scholarships would run out. And I decided to switch majors so that I could still graduate on time. And I'm like, well, how will some of these credits transfer? And what do I like to do? I like to garden. So let's get a horticulture and ag business degree. Because hmm. I, I don't know. like, Who lets 18-year-olds go to college? <laughs> I don't know. Um, so I was in my last semester. I was writing up. I don't know, some experiment on like, do plants grow? And I don't know, I think it was tires. Like, how can we like use stuff that's destroying our earth for ways to grow things that will hopefully recreate earth. Mm. And I'm like, I really love writing. This is really cool. Some people have told me I'm a good writer. Maybe I'll like get my master's and do scientific writing on sustainable agriculture and all the things. And then I'm like, well, that takes more school and more time <laughs> and more money that I don't have. So I started writing for a hobby. And I had a few pieces published locally and I'm like, Ooh, I kind of like this. This feels good to do this. Um, and so I would do poetry and, you know, and thought I was the next like James Joyce and, you know, stream of consciousness. And meanwhile, I was like just working through mental health stuff is really what it came down to. I was, yes, originally writing for therapy. Um, and then my former partner got pregnant with our first kiddo and I just started journaling and writing about that. And there are not a lot of spaces for specific oh specifically queer parents there's not, there are more and more sites that celebrate um queer parents but they're still kind of mainstream 
heteronormative cisgender parents. We're just kind of trying to like work our way in and tell our stories. But there used to be this website called Cherry Girl, which got a lot of their funding through sex toys, which <laughs> isn't helping the queer community because everybody sexualizes it. But when you are a queer website trying to like make money and sustain, you kind of have to go to like the sex toy. It's such a like weird cycle of stuff. Anyhow, so there are like all these, you know, young lesbians telling their story about um going to the Dinah Shore conference and like hooking up with other women. I'm like, um, my partner um, has morning sickness and I don't know what this baby's going to do to me kind of thing. So I kind of found a groove writing about, um, about to become a first time parent. And I realized that I had a lot of followers who were straight women who were like, Oh yeah. And Oh my gosh, my husband could relate to this. And like, it was this, being the non-bio, non-gestational parent, I kind of like, I had dads relating to what I was saying. I had mm. um, other parents relating to what I was saying. I was like, oh, I kind of have something going here. And then it just exploded from there. I started writing about parenting, specifically being a queer parent. And then um, having a transgender daughter, I started writing a little bit about that. And then when I got sober, I really threw myself into the advocacy of um, talking about queer parents and queer families and trans kids and in that sobriety and in the advocacy of of um, helping my daughter find safe spaces, I really started looking at myself. It's like, oh, if I'm going to advocate for all these other people, why am I not advocating for myself? Mm. And that's when I realized, yep, I'm transgender. I'm non-binary. How can we we collectively, you know, my family and myself and us as a society kind of find ways to find spaces for people to feel like they're valid, no matter who they are. And that's really kind of the trajectory of my career. It's been selfish, I guess, is what it's been about. But I've also have found a ton of connections. And, you know, you guys probably get messages too saying thank you. You know, I write about, I was sexually abused as a kid. I grew up in poverty, physical abuse, like all the things. And I'm pretty honest about it and mental health stuff. And I think if you just tell your truth, you find these connections. And yeah. in those days that you're just feeling like that imposter syndrome kicks in, you mm. just keep telling your truth and it kind of feeds, you know, that like, okay, confidence, I can do this. But really for me, what keeps me going are those connections are saying, oh my gosh, I didn't understand my kid. Thank you for giving me this language. Thank you for writing that post about what these terms mean. Like what the fuck does pansexual mean? You know, yeah. but it's, so it kind of feels good to like be able to relate to the teenagers that some of these parents um, don't understand who, and you know, these, these queer kids just want a space and want families who love and support them. And if I can help their parents better understand them to give them um, kind of that love that they need, then I'm happy to keep doing it. That's amazing. And I think with anything, like, for example, um, I talk about recovery and addiction on my page because I feel like there's such a stigma surrounding it. And I'm hoping that by uh, educating people and showing people that a life after that is possible, it'll help others realize they're not alone. And so the subjects that you talk about, which are just second nature to you because it's who you are, um, tend to stir up a lot of drama and opposing views and it's polarizing. And how do you combat the negativity that comes along with sharing your truth? Specifically around mental illness and re recovery or about the trans and queer stuff? The trans and queer stuff because – 
for example, uh, I and I have to address it right now, we have a live stream going and there's just so many different opinions and so many people saying different things to each other about it. And I might lose some uh, friends over this, but I feel like there's nothing anybody else could do in their life that's going to affect mine unless they're hurting me uh, directly. And so I've never been one to get offended over somebody else's life choices. And so undoubtedly by being um, outspoken about the LGBTQIA plus and, you know, the parenting and all of that, I'm, I'm sure that you receive negativity and I'm wondering how do you, um, deal with that while keeping the message of informing people and not taking it personally? Who, um, I, I think there's two things. I think, you know, now it's like, okay to be gay almost, you know, people are, are, are more comfortable with people being gay and gay marriage. I mean, there's, there's polls, you know, there's stats telling us that for the most part, people are more accepting of that. I mean, I will say there's still plenty of organizations and um, businesses turning away people um, for simply being gay. And so, so I like to talk about when I, when I do my trainings, you know, we are made up of our gender identity. We are, is how we identify as male, female, or neither, which is non-binary. Some people like to use the word gender fluid or gender queer. Um, we don't have to get into that right now. And then there's your sexual orientation. How do you fall in love based on that gender identity? And then the third piece that makes us who we are, our gender expression. So how do we express who we are to the world kind of thing? And so for the most part, people are like, all right, gender expression, you know, boys can wear skirts, girls can have short hair. All right, we'll be okay with that, more or less. You want to be gay, be gay, be bisexual, do your thing. It's interesting right now. I feel like the hardest piece that I struggle with is people really have a hard time understanding gender. And it really starts from the difference between the difference between gender and sex and not like sex, like literally our biological sex, our sexual anatomy. And when we're born, we are assigned male or female based on that sexual anatomy. Well, science has proven, and that's the thing. People don't want to believe in science. People believe in their religion and they believe in their own experiences and they believe in, um, you know, what they see on TV or what they hear, wherever they read. They don't like to be given stats and science and reports or even hear the lived experience of actual trans people telling you what they are and who they are. And so that's the rub. It's like people choose not to believe something because they've either never heard it before. That doesn't make sense to them. So that's the hardest thing for me. And I can't, I can't argue with most of those people. It's, it really comes down to, I am telling you I am transgender. I am telling you that from the moment my child can walk, and I, I rarely refer to my trans daughter as a he, but when my transgender daughter started walking at the age of one, I looked at my then partner and said, he is going to make somebody a very lovely husband someday, was she was effeminate from the moment you can show signs of being masculine or feminine. And there was just always this piece of her. And from when she was 18 months, she refused to put on the same clothes I was putting on her twin brother. And not that they're a boy or girl clothes, but I was putting Navy sweatpants on them. I just wanted to get out of the house. It was a rainy spring day. I just, I wanted to get out for a minute. I was stayed home with my twins. Um, I was just lonely and miserable. And my daughter refused to put on the Navy sweatpants, went to her big sister's 
laundry basket and pulled out some pink and purple tights. I'm like, I don't fucking care what we put on. I need to get out of the house with you. And from that moment on, but only wear, you know, stereotypically, you know, I use quotes, girl clothes. And she was just on this path. And even being in a queer family and me, you know, kind of secretly questioning my own gender, you know, we watched and waited and to see, you know, what, what does this mean? Does she, she a boy who wants to wear girl clothes and is she, you know, a transgender? Like who, how do we do this? And we followed her lead and she socially transitioned before she was three. We used, you know, our pediatrician, friends, we did all the things that, you know, parents do to hopefully make help their kids make the best decisions for themselves. And before she started preschool, we said, how would you like to start preschool? You know? And she said, I'm a girl. I want my friends to know me as a girl. And, um, we did, we went to female pronouns. She has been, she, I mean, always, I, I believe you're born who you are and it takes the world longer to figure that out until you have the language. You can't really tell people who you are, but she's never referred to herself as a boy. And so I think for people, they're like that. How do you know? How do you, how, how do you, how can kids know they're trans? Well, a cisgender little boy with a penis who says he's a boy. We don't question it because it's just the way it's always been. Mm-hmm. And, but transgender people have always been that too. It's just people don't want to believe it because they've never been exposed to it. And until it happens to you or until you see somebody and even somebody you love who comes on as trans, people just refuse to believe it. And it's, I don't understand. I guess that's the hardest thing for me. I don't understand how you can look at me and say, you're a liar. This isn't true. How can you make your kid be something? I can't make my kids do fucking anything. Clearly I can't make them like know where their reading log is. I can't like, I'm not going to make my kid be a gender that they don't, believe that they are right um so i think the hardest thing for me are like these people are like well my kid wants to be an airplane i'm like well so does my kid actually half the time or like a transformer like that's Mm -hmm. we're not talking about imagination we're talking about your truest sense of self and i think it's it's so personal because no matter what you're what you're talking about on your platform when people start in on our kids yeah there's nothing more personal than your children and it and it's it's intense, especially when it's you're talking about you know something as uh, private and personal as being transgender, or if your kid comes out as homosexual or whatever. I mean, my best friends are uh, homosexual men who've adopted a child, and I mean the flack that I get for having him as a co-host on my Wednesday night, Wednesday night Wednesday show. It's just ridiculous. Right. That's, it's yeah. ridiculous, but it is. It's I, I can, and I can only see a fraction of what you're talking about, Amber, because I've I've not been fully exposed to all of these different things. But what I can tell you is, you can't ever tell anybody that they're lying because you don't know what their true feelings are, and you don't know what's going on inside of their head and inside of their heart. And it's not my job to judge that or tell you that you're well, wrong think- or whatever. So it's it's. It, but but good God, we could have had an entire – had I prepped properly, we could have had an entire show that was dedicated to all of these different things. Um, but um, we have to get into topics. Otherwise, we're going to be here for yeah. three no, hours. I, but I'm glad and I that, could I could talk all day. Yeah. This is my wheelhouse yeah, and I love it, it sure and I will. So. It sure is. But yeah, so – um, not to cut you off, but I was l- literally sitting here so intensely listening and I was like, shit, we have a show. <laughs> oh my God. I, and I, I have so many questions. So maybe sometime, uh, we can have you back and just have an oh, episode yeah. where we talk about all the uncomfortable For stuff. For McTurzies. 
Sorry, I yeah. make it uncomfortable. People with things like that have questions about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I would love to. Yeah, right, awesome. So let's do trending news. Okay, so oh gosh, we're gonna segue right into a joke, a joke uh, because that's what I do. Um, why didn't the elephant pack a suitcase for summer vacation? Yeah. Okay. No guesses. That's because fine. He- Oh, I know. Uh, oh, let's hear it. Because he carries a trunk. He's got baggage. Oh, yeah, I don't know. because he uses a trunk. Wow. So you guys are cheaters. That's cool. It's not a cheating. It's an elephant. Yeah. It's a terrible Yeah, joke. because he uses a trunk. <laughs> <laughs> I want to hear. Okay, so tell me about trending parenting news because psychologists share the seven biggest parenting mistakes that destroy kids' confidence and self-esteem. I'm very interested to hear this because I'm I, always paranoid. I'm destroying everything. So I found this interesting because it was trend. It was it was trending uh, the, uh, yesterday, and people just like everything else. We love to disagree about stuff because why not? Uh, but I thought this was interesting because so many people um, say they have an issue with their kids having anxiety these days, and when I read this, it shows that basically they're saying here are seven ways that we say you can have a less anxious and more confident child. I'm not saying that we agree with them or disagree with them. I'm just saying that somebody wrote this article and they, these are their thoughts on it. Right? So they say, number one, you should not let your children escape responsibility. While you might think chores will weigh your child down and add to their stress level, pitching in around the house will help them become more responsible citizens. So I personally agree with that. Well, obviously, but easier said than done, dude. Why? Yeah, okay. And do they expect money? Uh, <laughs> it basically, so what they said here was that children should do age-appropriate duties for a sense of mastery and accomplishment. It doesn't say anything about whether or not you should award that with a monetary, you know, like a, what's it called, allowance? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, because and I hate stickers, too. I know it's supposed to, like, create habits and, like, you're creating behaviors for them to keep doing over and over again. But I don't know. I don't think you should be rewarded for that kind of stuff. I was curious if it said anything about that. No, it doesn't. But I, we also don't do an allowance in our house and my daughter has to empty the dishwasher. My son mows the lawn. Um, my youngest son is in charge of destroying everything (laughs) and we're working on trying to get him involved in some of, in some of the chores. Uh, he actually will vacuum every now and again, but they do have things that they have to do each and every day. You know, and do, and you, do you like here. thank them or yeah, how does thanks. That work? You live here, like I pay all the bills. You know, your father and I work really hard so that you can live in this house, so dude. No matter how, how many times my mom told me that, though, it never. It, <laughs> I didn't care. Like didn't care. I'm like, you made the decision to have me and give birth to me. You can't throw it in my face then that you have to do everything. Like it never. So I am all about positive reinforcement, mm. and I I don't know if it's because I didn't really get that Mm. but i love it when my kids do something even if it's little i'm like did you just take that shirt to the hamper you get over here and love me i'm so proud of you like good job and it makes they get so happy and beamful and want to do it again there you go well then that's what works for you yeah except most times no it's a nightmare i need to work on that (laughs) 
So too, they say you cannot prevent your children from making mistakes. It's tough to watch your child fail, get rejected, or mess up. When this happens, so many parents rush in to save their kids before they fail. That was that was Why loudly. Are you looking at me? I was directing at you, directing it directly at you. Um, whether your child forgets their cleats before a big soccer game or gets some questions wrong, um, you cannot go swoop in and save the day. I don't. I disagree. You disagree. I don't. I don't know that I'd be able to watch my kid like get ready for a game and not have their cleats. There's certain stuff like a library book. If they forgot, that's one thing. But ooh, that's yeah. What tough. do you do? Make that's them a slip and slide me. all over the field? Well, then they sit out. They can't play. I mean, I understand uh, the lesson, but I can't separate my heart. Yeah. Two two sighs here, and I'm the cold dead spirit. Is that what this is? Well, your kids are going to be successful probably, <laughs> and mine are going to be felons. <laughs> is what's going to happen? I yeah, just, mine too. I, they're going to be calling me. Because they forgot their lunch at home and they'll be 35. And Yeah, see, oh. I don't know. I don't know. So three says, you cannot protect children from their own emotions. It's fine to tempor- temporarily try to cheer up your child, but they have to be able to feel all the feels and you have to be okay with them feeling emotionally unwell at times and just be there. What do you think of that, Tiff? Yeah. It's so hard. You just want to make them happy all the time? All the time. All the time. I do, I, it's a problem. I know it's a problem. Mm. But it's so hard. I just don't ever want them to feel physical or emotional pain. And I know. <laughs> I, I know. Uh, but I just, I wish I could. And I try my hardest every day. And it's probably killing me. Uh, and, but I don't know how to not be that way. What about you, Amber? I actually am fine with them feeling all the feels Mm. because I having buried all the feels for so long and not having my, I was always told, don't cry. Don't feel that. Don't. And I know that like that, I mean, I don't, I'm not blaming Tiffany for telling their children not to feel certain things. Um, but for me, I wish I had had a parent who welcomed all the feels in a healthy way. Mm -hmm. So while it does break my heart to see my kids sad, especially around friendship. Oh, like if something happens with like their friends and they feel left out like oh that breaks my heart and i want to fix it and i want to like kill people. make it all better but Not as far as like people. feeling the feels i really want them to have some type of emotional intelligence and resiliency because especially having a queer family and my transgender daughter it's like feels are going to be the worst of what you guys you know, best and worst of what you guys go through. And if you can figure out a way to manage that shit now, you're going to be okay. What does it mean then? What does it mean? Hmm. uh, Okay. Let's say Chloe's really sad Mm -hmm. uh, because she freaking wants another hug before she goes to bed. Yeah. I give her a hug. Yeah. All right. What if she's sad because her brother isn't sharing? Like, give me an example of what it looks like to let the kids feel the feels. Give me an example. Uh, so, and, and I think these are more things like as they, as they get older and they, and okay. they're. So it doesn't count for me yet. No, I didn't say that. Just hold on. Okay. Reel it in. So f- like my son had his first heartbreak after this girl, um, th- he was going to go to the Valentine's dance with her and he got her a llama for Valentine's day. Oh yeah. And did this whole thing and it was super sweet. And then she basically went up to him and was like, don't like you anymore. Like him. And so he came home and he was talking to me about it. Actually, I was trying to pry it out of him because I knew that something was going on. And when he finally was like, she just doesn't like me anymore. Mm. And I was, you know, and of course I just wanted to 
rage, right? Because I, I saw the hurt in him, but then I also knew like he needs to feel this. This is his first tiny little bit of heartbreak. He needs to understand that there are plenty of, of fishes in the sea and that, you know, that there will be more relationships and more, um, you know, girls he can text with and more things will come up and it's okay to feel sad. And it's all, you know, not on my watch. It's, it is. He has to know that it's okay to be sad about this. It didn't work out. It shouldn't work out. They're 13. Like it's norm. Like these are the normal things that they got to have. They got to start feeling and they have to understand personally. Did I have some choice words for this young lady? Absolutely. But did I also realize that those were just my mama bear coming out because she's probably a very nice young lady who's 13 and, you know, likes some other kid in class. She's a hoe. No, she's not. She's a very nice girl, I'm sure. I'm sure. And the thing is, is it's hard. it's so hard because these are our babies. But I at can't. the same time, they're going, they're growing up. My kid's gonna be in high school next year. It freaks me out every time I realize that. But I also try to keep the I try to have the best relationship with my kids as I can and being honest with them because I want them to continue to tell me stuff. Yeah. I don't want to be a snoop and i feel like what do you mean a snoop like, like i don't want to go like through go through t- like i don't want to be the mom that goes through the text messages and all the things but i will if i have to and i want to i want to try and pave a good relationship you know what i mean like i'm tr- i'm really trying damn hard you're doing great <laughs> they gotta great. learn to deal um don't condone a victim mentality with your kids if they want something and you shouldn't say things like we can't afford new shoes like the other kids because we don't have we don't have money for that. Don't reinforce a victim mentality. If you can't get them new shoes, tell them, "No, you can't have new shoes." And that's it. Don't elaborate on the situation. They say that when you elaborate on that, it builds up this like martyr-like dumb Okay. And you have to just martyr like dumb. You know what I mean? I was trying to like get a martyr dumb. <laughs> yeah, like that. Okay. So kids ha- it says kids who recognize their choices in life feel more confident in their ability to create a better future for themselves. It sounds nice. I don't know, you think But should true? they also be a little aware of like their money is needed to like make the world go around kind of thing? That's like- my issue with it as well. You hit the nail on the head there because sometimes it's just, you know what? I'd love for you to have those. But if I run this check card, <laughs> it's going to bounce like mommy's butt. Uh, so I, I think that sometimes you just have to, they also have to understand that there are limitations financially to things. So that one is, I get what the psychologist is saying, but at the same time, don't financial things come into play. Like in real life? Like I don't want my kid to feel insecure because I mean I grew up with like the bank calling wanting to take away our house and that creates a lot of insecurity, right? Mm-hmm. Like you, I don't want mm-hmm. my kids to be anxious about money. But at the same time, like my daughter, my oldest needs new shoes. She wants like some, I don't know, Converse, something she saw a friend at school had. They're not practical. And those high tops are fucking impossible to put on when you're rushing around in the morning. And I said, you do need a new pair of shoes. I want to get you something that's more practical and costs a little less. Like, we went through all the things. She didn't like it. Yeah. She was pretty miserable about it. But I said, within this price range, I, we will, let's find you a pair of shoes. And so I try to have those conversations. Like, like, let's be real. I don't want you to feel insecure. Like, we do have money for the bills. We have money for food. We have money for things we need. Yes, you need shoes. But we're also going to get you a pair that's practical and not flashy just because your buddies have them. Mm -hmm. Because we can't afford that shit. I can't afford to get you two pairs of shoes. One for fashion and one for gym. 
Right, right, right. They, they need to be the You're either wearing your heels to gym. <laughs> <laughs> Them wedges will work in dodgeball. Don't worry. <laughs> you want to look cute? Okay, let's do this. <laughs> yeah, get out of here. All right. You uh, have rain boots and you got sneakers. Yeah. Bye-bye. Oh, I guess you would need that. Yes. Well, we don't, our kids don't wear rain boots here as they should because we get lots of rain. Anyway, off topic. Um, don't be super overprotective. I don't like this one. You don't. I knew you weren't. <laughs> Um, keeping them insulated from challenges, stunts, development, view yourself as a guide, not a protector. Ooh, that's a tough one. I don't even see that sentence. I feel like you're, yeah, I didn't make that up. It's right here. Okay. So you you're skipped literally... the whole first sentence. Okay. Oh my gosh. Seriously. Uh, six expecting perfection. High expectations are healthy, but expecting too much has consequences. When kids view expectations as too high, they might not even try because they figure they'll never measure up. We've actually had this exact conversation with our oldest kid. He literally said to me, I'll never be as good at anything as dad is. Aww. How did that make you feel? Oh. He felt terrible. He did. Why? Chime in for a second. Were you like telling him something at the time he said that? Like. Because this is, this was, this was intense because I had to kind of like mediate this conversation because my kid told me, not my husband, that he was feeling that way. I, I felt terrible. I mean, he was telling me that he wasn't willing to try anything because he thought he would fail automatically because he wouldn't live up to what I expected. And I was like, I have zero expectation about how great you're going to be at whatever. I want you to try and I don't want you to be as good as me. I want you to be as good as you can be. And that's it. It sucked. It was hard. Yeah, it was. Did that make you feel differently about the way you approached him when it came to certain things? Yeah, uh, but I'm going to put in here that it's mommy's little boy. Mm, Stop it. And and, and he has has learned, he's a teenager, and he's learned to play a little bit in there. So there are times where I can see that coming through now, and there's times where I can see the, he's playing us. So it it made me a little more Mm. aware. And I, I try to... God, kids are too smart. In my oldest child's defense. Oh, here we go. <laughs> <laughs> no, but ser- seriously, though, it was great that they had that conversation. Yeah. And I was happy that my son opened up to me about it because it was something that was weighing on, on him. But I was happy and proud that my husband sat down with him and was like... Because I knew my husband wasn't feeling that way. Right. But I also knew that my kid needed to hear that from his dad, not from me. So I was like, you need to go in there. You need to talk to him. You know, we have to have this. Um, Job day. So anyway, so yeah. And then this one I didn't understand. Number seven. It said punish rather than discipline, (laughs) which I was like, I'm so confused. Kids, Kids need to learn that some actions lead to serious consequences, but there's a big difference between discipline and punishment. Kids who are disciplined think I made a bad choice. Kids who are punished think I'm a bad person, which I understood all of that logic. But then they didn't explain what they view as punishment or discipline. Maybe they made it, maybe they mixed it up. Like discipline rather than punishment, right? No, my question is though, was how do you differentiate punishment from discipline? That was my question. Punishment is like just taking away their electronics. Okay. And punching them in the kneecaps. Oh, is that a thing? Discipline. I I have no clue. That's what I'm saying. Discipline is respectful. Respectful. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Dave said punishment is locking. Oh, so like do harm versus having like consequences to your action. 
I guess. So I was just, Wait, I wish so they, they would have given an example. No, I'm saying I wish they would have given an example like, okay, if your kid had um, played a bunch of video games, then failed a math test because they didn't study, you don't punish them by just taking away the video game, but you discipline them by taking away the video game and then maybe explaining the the whole like you didn't study for your test your test your grades are important so school comes first so now you can you can play your video games again once your math grade is up maybe that's discipline versus just punishment of not follow up but the the, the article didn't give any disclaimers on that one and so i felt i felt like i need a follow up article on the differences of that write somebody a letter okay I, i'll i'll phone it in So in Parenting Crap, it hits seven tips to get your kids into a solid bedtime routine. And this was written by Murphy Mor- Moroni. Uh, I found this one online. Moroni. And, and, and some of these I totally disagreed with and I, I audibly laughed out loud. It I'm was like a kidding. compilation article of comments that, that she took from online of people giving their bedtime advice. And I'm just being if honest. If it's not yelling and melatonin, I don't see Yes, yelling and melatonin. Yeah. So, so, so anyway, so it says, with the go, go, go culture that comes with having kids and getting everyone into a consistent functional bedtime, it can be challenging. So I pulled the community and here's what they have to say. All right. So number one, ease into bedtime with books. I love how it's plural. No. No, there's no. not multiple books here. Like, I don't understand. <laughs> it was like, they were like, I, ra- I read books in my daughter's room and then and she crawls into my lap. Now I know she's ready to go into her crib. And it's like, well, that sounds wonderful and beautiful. But when you've got a six-year-old who's like, read another shark book. And it's like, this is the 800th book. Like, there has to be a limit to this, right? Like, how many books can you read before bed? Or am I just a terrible, awful person? I, I'm a reader. How many books do you read b- before bed? Oh, so a lot. Really? <laughs> Jeez Louise. I do. So but I'm not good at many things, actually. This is the one thing I'm good at. I okay. do take a lot of pride in okay. reading. So since my oldest was tiny, I would read probably four to five board books with her from infancy. Like it's just, I'm a reader. It's what I love to do. It's our time to connect because the days are shit shows with three kids. Now the ages of eight and six, really the only time we have to really connect is that the 20 minutes before they fall asleep. Mm. It's, it's kind of, I mean, we're busy. Well, I'm really not because if I was a better parent, I wouldn't have to rely on that 20 minutes. So I don't think so. I think that's fair. I think what you're saying is fair. So my, um, because I live with my former partner, if we're both home and actually 50% of the time, like one of us is at a meeting or I don't know, or something we ideally, since the kids all go to bed at the same time, one of us has the biggest one. And then the other one is with the twins cause they share a room. And so, um, the routine is, you know, once everybody brushes their teeth and is ready for bed, everybody says good night. Um, one of us reads for about 20 minutes to whatever said or child we're with um and then it's you know lights out and they fall asleep and i fall asleep i don't fall asleep but we stay in the rooms until the kids fall asleep it's just one of the honestly surviving the first year with three kids under the age of three when the twins were babies we set that up for ourselves like we just kind of had to like our toddler needed us to fall asleep 
um, we need to be in the room to fall asleep. It was such a huge transition for her. So we just do. We're like, at some point, they're not going to want us in their beds anymore. And that's fine. Like, no big deal. So reading actually is a big thing. So that's part of that's a huge part of our routine for bedtime. And it's kind of our few times we get to connect um, and have quiet time. So yeah, but I'm really shitty at a lot of other things. No, I think I think that's great. I think it's I think it's different for everybody, right? Like I'm not going to be the book the book person who reads these stories at the end of the night. I think it's great that you are. Um, this I next should be. Well, then do it. I'm Try like, it. Give it a go. Read my kids a bedtime story. <laughs> <laughs> she just, just turned on by the Mad way. Libs? She just turned on by the way. I love Mad Libs. <laughs> Does Mad Libs? Oh, that's funny. I never would have thought to try that. I would love to. You're going to have to do that with your kids. The next it says, and I do this one, time your children. Give them a countdown so that they understand <laughs> that bedtime is happening <laughs> and they have to brush their teeth, have their sip of water and have their jam jams on and set a timer. And we started doing this because my youngest is on the spectrum. We have to we have to time everything for him. We have he has a watch now and he can start timing himself because he's eight going on nine. But we literally set a timer for everything because he does not transition well. Right. If you look at him and say, we're going to go do this right now. And he's like, what? I'm sorry, what? No, we're not. Right. And it's like, no, we are. And he's like, no, we're not. I and can relate. Yeah. Well, I wish I had a countdown. Get a countdown for yourself. I like this one. Time your children. Two, reinforce its bedtime and tell them that you love them. <laughs> I love you. Go to bed. Listen, I, <laughs> I, here's my problem. Okay. My kids are terrified of everything, which is probably my fault, but it's like not my, uh, Chloe has night terrors. And so oh. she'll start screaming while her <clears throat> eyes are still closed. And then start yelling for me once her eyes open and she wakes up her brother and then they both come in my room. Can we sleep in here? And I'm like, no, you got to go to bed. And then I walk them back in the bedroom. Um, but they sleep with a light on full mm-hmm. blast. They have lullaby music playing, but they still get up a hundred times. Bedtime is like a joke, like a, like a sick joke. It tests my patience. It's I, I'm like, I am about to strap you down. So here are two things that this says in here too. And I'll, I'll fill in with those. So, and here, okay. And I'm going to preface this with, I have a problem with this one. It's, a personal problem, invest in a white noise machine. I know a lot of people use these for their kids, but my question for you is what happens when you travel or go someplace else? Do you have to take the damn machine with you to get your kids to sleep? If they get used to sleeping with something like that, does that have to go with you? Maybe. Why not? Well, we use a white noise machine. (laughs) You use a white noise machine. Okay. All right. Awesome. (laughs) So do you, if you go to a hotel, are they going to sleep without it? Or you take it? They do. They do. They do. They sleep. Okay. Out. They're fine. Okay. So next question then, because this is this sounds like you as well, and maybe maybe Amber's got this as well. Consider incorporating music and or a light show. An effing light show? <laughs> get, it's not fucking Floyd around here. It There's says no an, light it shows. says incorporate a light show into your kid's bed. What the fuck is this? <laughs> I'm sorry, but there has to be a Flash damn lights line. with different colors on the front. Yeah, like there's got to be a damn line. What is this? Me and Drew have like glow sticks like, in our fingers. Doing? Is it a rave? Do you have those gloves that these kids use with the light up fingertips? Like go the fuck to bed kid like here's the line i'm done and this this woman's like we love our bedtime routine we read a few books we lay the kids down we put on a light show and incorporate some lullaby. it's like doesn't anybody have anything else to do other than put their kids to bed like i get it bedtime is a disaster it is it is the it is the witching hour 
I totally get it. But do, don't you think maybe incorporating lullabies, music, and a light show is a bit of an enabler? Just go to bed. I don't know. I'm the odd Dude, man out. I would have loved going to bed if I had light shows. <laughs> I don't know. These sound like cool parents. I don't know, man. I'm just I don't like, know. The humidifier man. that spews the VIX has a little light that you push on the top. Like, is that a <laughs> I light, light show? <laughs> I could do a better job, honestly. Oh, I could do a better Maybe I need to start laying in there until they fall asleep. That would... I don't know. Because then, because Chloe gets up every, I need water. I need to pee. I need another hug. I need another kiss. I had to dream about a spider. I'm like, you haven't even been asleep yet. She's like, I saw it with my eye. It was a daydream. And I'm like, no. (laughs) (laughs) But she's so cute. it's hard she is cute but yeah so anyway it says no matter what you do you have to stick with the routine it's going to be difficult um but you have to continue and i do i agree completely with routine i i i am just one of those people who i get i'm old tiffany i'm 39 i was born in 1980 i'm a product of 1980s parenting yeah i'm 40 it's not the age but but look how but where my soul is the soul of a medieval yeah i do i do i do but here's the thing i just kind of feel like sometimes we make things way harder than they have to be and it's like here this is what we're doing children follow along because that's what we're doing. And sometimes I wor- I wonder if we're just causing some of our own problems in parenting. All of them. What do you mean? All of them. Agreed. Mm-hmm. All right. <laughs> moving on. Agreed. We're screwing everything Literally. up. And we're everyone's reason when they get onto a therapist's couch. If it was up to me, I'd co-sleep <laughs> every single night. But my husband won't let us. You got to get that bed that's like 50 feet long. It's my dream. I know. I've begged my husband. It would be because then if somebody breaks in, I could protect the family all in oh, one room. Oh, you and your break-ins. I don't have to run room I, to room oh to God. try to save everybody. They're all just right there. I'd sleep so much better. All right. Moving on. Okay. Love and Meredith is brought to you. No. <laughs> Love and marriage. What did I say? Love and Meredith. (laughs) (laughs) After I told my kids to go to fuck the bed, go the fuck to bed, you're like, love and Meredith. She's such a loving, warm soul. Oh, God. Sorry. Love and marriage is brought to you by Meredith and Tiffany and Amber because we're spectacular human beings. By now. Most of us understand. Wait. Well, don't, isn't, since we're. What? Since we're sponsoring this, because we're awesome, don't we talk about our own stuff, or is that just... Okay. Go ahead, Meredith. I don't know what year it is. All right. So I thought this would just be a really fun, fast, last segment, because I don't know why people get so worked up about this, but it's a legit true thing. Every year... um, What are these examples? I'm just, I just took Who a whole, are these I took a whole bunch of them and we can run through quickly. We don't have to hit them all. Relax. But people get really worked up about celebrity splits. Huh. And so like Chris at, Pratt. Great. Chris Pratt and mm-hmm. Anna Ferris. So people get really, really, really ticked about this. And so I was looking and this article had just come up about celebrity splits of 2019. And what I don't understand is why so many people are so invested and why anybody actually cares. Right? Like, so Larry King and his wife. I mean, he's been married like 50 Whoa. times. Yeah, Who that cares? was like wife in seven, right? Right. Katie Holmes and Jamie Foxx. Wait, they broke up? Yes. No. Look, you but just got upset. They were actually dating, did yeah, they? Yeah, they were yes. very elusive. Yes, six years. They were together six oh, years. Oh, no shit. Yep. Uh, Miley Cyrus and Liam, Liam Hemsworth. No, they're back together again, I think. No. Yeah. But then they got divorced again. No, they called it. Well, quits. they got married, and now they're the other done. 
They're done because I just saw they were, it was an on and off again thing for 10 years. They got married a year ago, divorced. Yeah. Yeah. Um, let's see who else there was. Uh, Bradley Cooper and Arena Shank, Sharkanank, Shadank, Shark Tank? No. Shake. Shake? <gasps> do you they did break what? up. Oh my gosh. Do you think they broke up because you know who and him are going to get together? I don't think so. <gasps> no. No. This was the best quote of them all, though, and we'll end on this one. Joey Fatone and, and his wife, Kelly Baldwin, this is the quote. This is the NSYNC, NSYNC um, singer. He said, I was at one point married, and now I am separated going through a divorce. That was his quote. Like, dude, we understood that. Like, you're in an article about celebrities getting divorced. You literally were just like, at one point I was married, and now I'm not. Thanks for the quote, Joey Fatone. <laughs> I love Joey Fatone. I had a dream about him and then I had a crush on him the whole next day. Oh, yeah. Just for the day. Okay. Yeah. You know how that happened? Yeah. No. Okay. No. But it's fine. But but the point is, I don't understand why we get so wrapped up. I think we want celebrities to succeed. And then when they fail, we feel like, well, if they couldn't do it. Yeah. Oof. And that's what it is. What luck do we have? Because I think we assume well, all celebrities. What? Like having gone going through a separation now, as now I I do I was like that before too, but now that I have like a little bit of like experience now, like kind of going through, I'm like maybe they just fell out of love, right? And it's better for everybody. Oh, but yeah, for sure. You know, so but then I'm like, but yeah, it's true. But if they have all the money and all the helpers and all the things in the world, if they can't make it work, yeah. That's what I was thinking. Like if I think we put celebrities in this box of they're rich, they're famous, their life is wonderful, everything is great. How could they be unhappy? But that's not the truth. Well, as a celebrity, I can tell you guys oh. firsthand oh, that I'm sorry. it's not as easy as it looks. <laughs> um, being a celebrity has its downfalls. Okay? Uh-huh. So, trust me when I say um, it's it's no wonder they're not all divorcing. This life is not for well, the faint of heart. Oh, thank you, celebrity. Is it wrong <laughs> that I want all of them to come out as like queer somehow? Like, because I'm like, ooh, maybe that means Bradley Cooper's gay. Uh, <laughs> yeah, okay. Well, I don't know. Um, but what I do know is I think it's hard no matter what. And I, my guess is it would probably be harder if you were a celebrity and people were so focused on your lives and you lived such a public life. Might be harder. Might be harder. I don't know. But I also don't. I mean, not that I, not to say I don't care, but I don't care. Like I'm, you know, I want you to be happy. Yeah. But I don't like, I'm sorry if you got divorced, but I'm I'm also happy if you were happy you got divorced. Like, I don't know. It's kind of like a, there's one marriage I care about and it's the one I'm currently in. Like that's the only one that I have the time. Like I don't really care about that one. I'm, I'm just saying it's not, it's not high on my list, but people take it super seriously. Like people get invested and yeah it's like well just, they're in the public eye so yeah i don't know i thought it was i thought it was fun to talk about other people divorce in hindsight probably not such a great idea but i think it's interesting pop culture interests me so anyway all right well on that note join us next did week. we do it oh do we- Join us next week for another episode of Take It or Leave It, an advice-ish podcast hosted by two struggling moms who have no no idea idea what what we're we're doing. doing. Thank you so much, Amber, for being here with us. And hanging out and chitty-chatty pity-pattying. Oh, God. Sorry. I'm like 105. But thank you. And make sure to follow uh, Amber at, at Amber Leventry. And what was the name of the Facebook page? 
Family rhetoric. Family rhetoric. We'll link it. Yeah. In the thank you thing that Meredith does, <laughs> whatever it is. We'll make sure to link it in the things that I do. And thank you. Thank you. And once again, make sure to download, share with your friends, and check us out next week for another episode of Take It or Leave It. Oh my God. I thought we already did that. All right. Have a great day. Guys. I love you. Love your faces. I'm Tiffany Jenkins. Hi, I'm Meredith. Why don't we circle the carts around and go on down yonder? Because I'm old. <laughs> bye. Not a good one. Okay, bye. bye. <laughs> <laughs> 